Welcome to Know Your Risk and Insurance Coverage with Risk ProNet, where we will discuss all things insurance for you and your company. Risk ProNet is a network of independent agencies who offer specialized insurance across business sectors. Regardless of where you are in your insurance journey, we want to invite you to join us to think about insurance differently. Know your risk and insurance coverage with Risk ProNet provides answers to all your insurance questions. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Know Your Risk and Insurance Coverage with Risk ProNet. Uh, today, we're excited to talk to Jamie Madonna, and he's with AHT, a member agency that he happens to be in Seattle, but they also have offices in D.C., the D.C. area, Chicago, and New York. And so, Jamie, we're glad to have you join the program today. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me, Chip. I'm doing good. Well, good. Very good. Hey, one of the things we like to ask members when we get started here is, what's the benefit to you being a member in Risk ProNet, and what does it bring to you as an individual producer, you obviously are involved with the organization as well, and then also for the firm. Yeah, I think for me, there's so many facets of Risk ProNet that are interesting and, and you can learn a ton from. Um, you know, we get together annually uh, in person, multiple meetings throughout the year when current events are happening, like COVID was a great example of, uh, you know, agency owners and principals coming together and really just talking about the issues, not only in their market, but in other markets that they operate in. And as, as simple as understanding pay scales within your market for different hires, you know, coverage specialties, you know, like we're going to talk about today, you know, especially in areas where we may not perhaps have an expertise, but we're either interested in getting into them or just looking for somebody to partner with on a couple deals here and there. Right. I think I would, I would echo that exactly. And I think that the, what you mentioned is still probably the most important for us as well as the, the ability to reach out talk to people in other parts of the country, see what they're experiencing compared to what you're experiencing and get some help if you need it and allows things to go smoothly. So I would echo the same thing. You mentioned specialization. And one thing that AHT is known for is specialization. Isn't that right? No, that's absolutely. Our platform is built and our success has been completely uh, uh, because of our industry, deep industry specialization. And that, that, uh, that goes way back in our history and into the, well, probably into the 80s uh, and started with technology uh, specifically. Okay. And speaking of history, I do believe that uh, AHT is getting ready to celebrate their 100-year anniversary. Is, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty remarkable. Pretty amazing. Yeah, really. A hundred years ago. Now, I mean, things looked a little differently and the people have changed over, but the company has uh, survived uh, most of that hundred years being a private independent company. Yeah. Well, I think it's exciting. I hope you guys have a good party for everybody. That's quite an achievement, right? A century is a long, long time, no matter what you're doing, right? It's a long time. And we haul. still have some of the family members that are still involved, which is, which is, which is neat. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Um, when you talk about specialization, though, let's talk about what value does that bring to your clients? When you, when you guys talk about, hey, we really are focused on being able to get deep into an area, what does that mean for your clients that choose to do business with AHT because of that specialization? 
Yeah. You know, the specialization means we're basically have chosen to be industry experts, right? So if it's uh, manufacturing, for example, we, we understand really deeply what a manufacturer is going through, what their real risk is going to be. Um, cyber within manufacturing is a great example, right? Cyber insurance has been around 10, 15 years. We've been talking about it. Now it's it's really prevalent. Well, cyber insurance policies weren't, in the beginning, really developed to be specific to manufacturing. They, they do cover unauthorized access and sort of computer failure issues, but it really doesn't didn't address issues like what happens if you you know your uh, uh, machinery gets hacked and starts operating or catches on fire right there's a, there's an actual property damage there which cyber policies originally didn't cover property damage they just covered the, sort of the financial loss and whatnot so what we try to do in all these specialties is understand very deeply what the risks are to that industry, and then see what we can build if it's not already out there from an insurance coverage perspective. Right. And so you're really uh, taking that idea of being not only a consultative broker, but a risk advisor and really amping it up one more level, right, to be able to dive deeply into that business. And I, you know, we've talked a lot about cyber on this podcast and really using that that example you just gave when the uh, Colonial Pipeline was hijacked, right? The whole market's turned right. upside down. Just be, you know, no one thought about it. Then it happens and it's like, holy, uh-oh, we got problems here, right? So and now the whole thing's upside down. Yeah, and I think with with industry specialization, you you dig deeper with underwriters. You you have to understand which carriers can really put uh, coverage forms out there with terms uh, and conditions that actually meet those needs. So often, you know, we you, it's easy for you, you know, I, I think the generalist broker to say, well, I can, you know, I can I can do construction. You know, I can underwrite a construction risk. You know, it'd be crazy for me to. I mean, I've been insurance twenty years now, roughly twenty years. I still wouldn't go underwrite a construction company. I just don't understand it well enough. I don't necessarily have the insurance carrier and underwriter uh, contacts to know that I'm doing the best job for that that client. So that that's a, that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. And I think most people are starting to realize that knowledge just continues to get lower and lower on uh, in available into organizations, right? And so you, we are just always. Uh, you know, more and more or more clients that have more knowledge and are requiring more of us to help satisfy their questions. And it sounds like that specialization certainly helps. Right. Yep. So it, it, on terms of specializations, I happen to know that Jamie specializes in aviation and he's one of our go-to people within the Risk Pro Net, Net, Network, if not the go-to person for any type of aviation risk. And so, Jamie, I know you specialize in aviation and manufacturing and technology. At some point today, I'd like to talk about how those three things are starting to intersect, but let's talk a little bit about aviation. You also are a pilot, aren't you? That is correct. So, one of the things that got me into insuring aviation uh, risks is because I felt a little bit underserved as a, as a pilot out there. Um, and over time, we were sending some of our business to other brokers and, you know, it's like anything; you just don't get the service that you think you can put out there. And so we said we're gonna we're gonna jump in and and start going down that path. Very unique marketplace. Um, you know, there's a, a isolated group of insurance carriers and a very select underwriting group, if you will, that that serves that community. Yeah, and I think the point you brought up earlier about you can be a generalist and and, and write that policy. I think we see that in aviation. I think. 
local brokerage firms, they have a client that buys a plane or something comes up around aviation and they think they can get that done. And yet, in reality, that's one I would never feel comfortable trying to do. I don't even understand the terms, right? And so that specialization then, I'm sure that market being so narrow goes through all kinds of ups and downs. And if I'm not mistaking, it's it's been a hard market inside the aviation and it, and it came on pretty abruptly, did it not a few years ago? Yeah, it did. It's interesting, you know, in talking to some of the underwriters that have been doing this for, you know, you know, it's probably since the beginning, 15 plus years of underwriting, uh, the last, so take out the last three years, the decade before that, underwriters were operating at a loss for those 10 years. So for every dollar they were collecting in premiums, they were paying out $5, $10. And so finally, we got to a point, there was a number of catastrophic events that led us there, Boeing being one of them with the uh, the MAX, where you know they had so many groundings and then the two, two big uh, airline crashes. But all of that led to this really hard market and a couple of key um, reinsurers pulled out of the market. Uh, and they said, look, we can't, we can't continue to operate at a loss. Uh, we're, we're getting out of this business. And then so some of the insurance carriers that you know people would know, sort of the, the run-of-the-mill insurance carriers either reduced capacity um, or restricted because of their reinsurance covenants. But either way, they created a hard market almost almost overnight. So people were seeing, you know, thirty to seventy percent increases, uh, and that's really tough, especially on the mom and pops that are operating, you know, backcountry or up in Alaska. It was it was really a, a tough market for them. Good news though is that we're kind of at the end of that. So I'd say this year, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's a soft market, but it's definitely stabilized. Um, you know, I'd say five to ten percent increase. Sorry to say that. You know, some people think that's astronomical, but compared to what we were seeing, it feels like it's leveled off. And, and in some cases, we're seeing actual flat renewals um, and actually a return to better terms and conditions to operate under. I'm glad to hear that. Maybe that's a forecast for the rest of the marketplace. I do think it's interesting when. For so long, we've been in this, uh, what we call in the industry, a soft market. But for clients then to have this pricing that was either always going down or not moving, and it was that way for year after year after year. And and lots of business owners have only known insurance to be doing that. And then when we have this flip like that, uh, that's it, it is dramatic and it's shocking and no one understands it. And it's a difficult pot, spot to be in. What types of clients in the aviation? You mentioned a little bit about backcountry. I think you do some helicopters, some other fixed-based operators. I mean, when someone thinks about aviation insurance, what does that what does that cover? Just anything with a plane, or who should be thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it it actually that's a great question because it runs deep. Most people think of sort of the regional airliners, air carriers, which we refer to as Part One Twenty One. That is a great section of the market. Most of those big airliners, it's it's a very complicated risk, which we actually don't typically get involved in. But we would start to operate in that kind of what we call part 135 um, and, and part 91, which are kind of charter and owned aircraft. And then if it is regularly scheduled, air carriers are going to be operating much smaller aircraft, you know, less than 40 seats. Some of it can be up in the back country. So the charter operators that are taking hunters or guides into locations, rafters into locations. And then when you talk about Alaska, that's 
that's sort of the way of life up there, right? So it's very rugged terrain. So moving around up there often includes aircraft of all different kinds. Um, and then you can take it all the way to a company that buys an aircraft for their, you know, management to use. Um, so it can be an owned aircraft within a manufacturing company or construction company. Uh, that's also a business that we would get involved in. And then the newest thing is, is UAVs. So unmanned, uh, and then new technology such as electric propulsion, hydrogen, you know, it's changing rapidly, and I, I, I often thought it's going to be a long time before I see that stuff take flight, but it seems like the FAA right now is, is, is encouraging it, and part of that is because there's such a push and there's so much money being spent in, in that space, so we're seeing a lot of that type of work. Do you see a lot of that technology by being in Seattle? And I know Seattle obviously has a huge aviation history. Do those, is that kind of a hotbed for some of that stuff to come together? Is there, is there a synergy there? There definitely is in Seattle, although I would tell you we're seeing seeing it out of California. We're seeing it um, on the East Coast as well. But I would say, and, and it's par- partly because I'm here, and so I'm kind of connected to that community that I'm definitely seeing uh, uh, some of that. And I have a couple clients that dabble in that. They do some flight testing. And so often when somebody has a product that's they're thinking about trying to get to market, they'll go through this company to, to help with the, you know sort of the consultation on flight testing when they get to that point. And how about um, here? We've seen a lot with firefighters and helicopters. Is that something same same idea, right? That's a uh, helicopters would fall into that aviation as well. It would, yep, yep. And and that's a little bit unique. There's definitely some uh, nuances to the firefighting side of things. Uh, we do some helicopter, you know, rotor wing type work. Uh, we haven't gotten into that side of it yet. It's not saying we couldn't. We just haven't yet. hadn't Haven't had those opportunities yet. Uh, but that's a big market. Yeah, I would, yeah, we're watching that here in California. And I also have done some heli-ski trips where it seems the person that rents the helicopter for the skiing operation is just using the ship uh, to, during the winter months. They're renting it to the operation. But the normal use for that pilot and that ship is uh, either using it as a crane to place things or doing firefighting. And so I've, I've learned a little bit about the helicopters. It's, I find it fascinating. Right. Yeah, I know. And, and it's funny because I'm sitting here looking outside and it's smoky here in Seattle. So those firefighters are up there working hard today. Yeah, that's, uh, well, hopefully they come to an end. So now what about mashing these three things up? You specialize in aviation, you specialize in manufacturing, and you specialize in technology. What are you seeing around those three specializations and in, in the synergy between them? And how are you helping to provide some assistance there? Yeah, I think some companies, you know, a lot of the way a lot of brokers work, especially in the aviation space, they are primarily focused on that, just aviation. And where I have found a niche for myself is that it's not, there's so many new technologies coming out and, and most people are thinking, you know, at least in the new technologies, they're manufacturing something. They're manufacturing a, a UAV or they're manufacturing a, a motor of some kind that's going to be used in flight. So then it crosses over into aviation. So you've got the manufacturing exposure of um, the manufacturing product liability risk, and then you've got technology perhaps operating the UAV. So um, there's a crossover with how do you ensure the technology or the failure of the technology uh, that truly isn't a product itself, right? It's a product, but as you and I know, it's it's insured differently, more of an errors and omissions type coverage. And then you've got it flying around. So there's really three parts to some of these UAV companies um, and how you want to look at insuring them. 
And sometimes you can get the aviation markets that they're, they're, they're beginning down that path of understanding the errors and omissions or professional liability side. There's not too many of those insurers that are insuring that today, but a few of them have started to come around. They haven't added cyber to that yet, so we're still buying cyber in what I would consider more of our technology or traditional marketplace, not the aviation marketplace. So having that expertise to kind of know when you can take an aviation carrier or underwriter or, or, or product and, and use it versus when you would use kind of a non-aviation carrier or product and, and bring it into a company. It sounds like that goes back to what you started with earlier, that as a specialist and working in a specialization, you may even start to creating product that the market doesn't even know they have to have. Right, right. And then encouraging some of the underwriters that are ha- perhaps in one side of that or the other of, you know, adding that coverage or, or considering partnering with another firm to add that coverage into their product. That's super fascinating, right? It must be fun. It must be a lot of fun to work in something that is so dynamic and changing all the time. It's amazing too. You know, you hear these, you know, oh yeah, we're going to start delivering things by drone. And, you know, when I first heard that, I'm like, ah, that's, come on. As a private pilot, first of all, that's scary because now all of a sudden you've got things flying around that, you know, may or may not detect me. Uh, The technology's there for it to detect me. But anyway, and now you're starting to see where companies are not, they're past the testing stage. We know it works. It's just figuring out how to incorporate it into the airspace and into a business. How far out is some of that stuff? And what do you think goes first? Like, you know, we talk about driverless cars and maybe it's going to be driverless trucks that go first on dedicated halls where you can predict, you know, it's straight or whatever the case may be. What do you, what do you see coming with drone del- delivery? Yeah, I think the drone delivery is probably closer, in, but I think it's going to have to be in some of these marketplaces that are, uh, you know, a little more uh, spread out. You know, the, the urban sprawl is real. And so I think, the you know, it makes a lot more sense to send a drone out to some of these farther uh, deliveries than a, than a truck with fuel. I mean, it's just so expensive, right? So I think that kind of would be my guess as to where we start to see it more often. And it'll be hard. To, it would be hard to see in the cities just because they're so busy that, you know, especially I'm thinking just Seattle as I look out the window. I'm like, well, there's a lot of GA, general aviation that's going on around here. A lot of people flying around. You got Kenmore Air, you got Northwest Seaplanes, you got these float planes going around. You got people flying their own planes. You got SeaTac Airport. How do you add drones into that mix, right, or UAVs and, and keep it safe? Great. I, who knows? But it seems like, you know, um, we are going to be at the Jetsons before too long, right? And I never yeah. thought we would see that in our lifetime, but I'm, I've changed my tune on that. I I really think we're going to be at the Jetsons before too long, or, be, or we'll see. Well, in the unmanned, you know, I think about how they're going to they're trying to roll out like the the Uber of the skies, right? I mean, that's kind of the the, the phase after that. I don't think until we can get the driverless car thing down, will we move into the UAVs uh, for, you for, go for taxi service? Okay. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine we're going to unleash that aspect of flying. Uh, and, and, you know, you'd have to be really comfortable to get into an aircraft with no pilot and just trust the... <laughs> totally. Just even an unmanned car doesn't seem to be, you know, that. Yeah, that's a big step for human beings to be able to do that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah no, we great. have one of those... We have one of those cars that can drive itself, and I still hold the wheel. <laughs> I love it. Um, what do you think? So is it taking longer to place a piece of business for you? If someone came with a problem, does it take a lot more upfront 
building a narrative and describing what's going on or is how's the placement of aviation insurance or maybe any one of the hybrids you're working in right now? Yeah, yeah, no, I'd say the traditional placement of of known aviation, so just an operator of aircraft or industrial aid, so if a company owns some airplanes, that that's become fairly straightforward. Uh, three years ago, a little more difficult because of capacity issues. And if you think about, you know, if you were a backcountry operator and you had four or five aircraft, there's four or five insurance carriers that are on that placement. It's not a single carrier taking 100%, so it's quota share is how those are built. Today, those are there, there's plenty of capacity. We've had a couple of uh, insurance carriers get into the market, expand capacity, so we're able to place those. When it comes to this new technology, uh, it takes a long time because you have to get that underwriter that knows their traditional aviation and get their head around, you know, what is the exposure, um, how are we reducing the risk, uh, and then what what's the expertise of the company that's that's trying to like let's say. Um, a fly, a test fly an aircraft that's never been flown, you know, what are the risks on the ground? So it takes a lot more time to get underwriters comfortable with that. I can imagine. I can imagine that. What about the the Tesla rockets and that kind of stuff? Is that in considered aviation or would this unmanned? No, it is. It is. Yeah. Satellites, yeah, is really? yeah. satellites rockets, aerospace is definitely in that market. And um, while there are some of these aviation carriers uh, uh, do, you know, underwrite those. It's a different underwriting group. A uh, fair bit of it's coming out of London, as you can imagine, because it's again, it's 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 so new, uh, and the losses are uh, could be astronomical, right? So a lot of that stuff has a very unique placement. No, I could imagine. I could imagine. Well, it sure sounds like you're having a lot of fun uh, right now at this point in your career. We are. I mean, it's a, it's a good time to be in in the space. I mean, there's so much technology. I think the FAA has has realized the technology is good, and so allowing some of the change in in the cockpit and just uh, how we think of aviation um, has been good for the industry. I think it's been it was kind of stuck to you know sort of 30 year old technology, and now it's really catching up, and that's kind of fun fun time to be in it. Are there any other hotbeds across the United States where you see this bubbling up of technology and aviation mirroring itself together? Uh, any other spots that you wouldn't think of as being like, all of a sudden we're seeing stuff coming out of what, whether it's Austin, Texas, or maybe it's Oshkosh, Wisconsin, right? I mean, yeah, no, I think you hit a couple there. I mean, I think there are a number of states and 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 places where there there is a, a thought leadership and sort of think tank of people trying to do this, and they're. You know, I think it's if you follow kind of automotive, right, and how automotive grew in different areas, it's it's similar. You've got a hotbed of technology in Texas. Uh, that that's I think you're seeing some some neat technology coming out of. Of course, the Pacific Northwest. But you've got Boeing here, so people tend to think that's a that's a hub, and it is. Uh, so I think where you had kind of major airlines or major manufacturers of uh, aviation has has, and of course the East Coast is it has has its share as well. Uh, Boston and DC and that. Yeah. It- uh, tech, the world's technology, right? It's pretty fascinating what opportunities are going to be created and where they're going to be. What about the manufacture of parts in aircraft? Doesn't that always create a problem with insurance? I mean, if if anyone has a is manufacturing something that's going into aviation, I've always had in the back of my mind like there was an exclusion or there was a problem there. Is that is that still true today? That if you're manufacturing something that could be used in any type of aerospace, you really need to work with a specialist. 
No, you're absolutely right. It's uh, excluded. And on occasion, depending on what it is, you can get one of the traditional carriers to um, take the exclusion out, but they, it has to be non-mission critical, right? And so um, you can get some coverage with the, in the traditional markets, but if it is truly going to be used in aviation um, and could cause bodily injury or property damage in some way, uh, you probably need to go directly to an aviation market for that. Yeah, and another reason specialized. So, Jamie, it's been great to talk to you a little bit about this today. And that's one of my favorite things about doing these interviews is learning something about what other members do and recognizing how wonderful the insurance space really is in terms of how fascinating it is and what business that's going on and, and what a role we play in making sure that commerce gets done. So anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself or AHT or why aviation is great or any mentioned today? No, I mean, I just, I concur. I mean, this is what's great about this. I learn learn every day about uh, different aspects of insurance and I love connecting with the risk pronet members and, and just uh, there's so much there and so much knowledge. Um, it's amazing what I don't know and uh, what, what, what I can learn from the group. Well, then I guess the most important thing then is what's going to happen with the Kraken this year? <laughs> Funny you should ask. I somehow got invited to a preseason game Monday night, so it's it's on. All right. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's like anything in Seattle. We, we're optimistic, and we think we're going to have a pretty good team, and uh, I hope it's better than last year. Okay, that's good. Now, then the last one would be on the sport. While we're on the sports is uh, – yeah. I watched the Seattle Buffalo or uh, Broncos game, and we have a member agency, Troy Muti in the uh, Denver, who's a Bronco fanatic. So I did watch that with a lot of interest, and I thought that was a nice uh, send-off to see the Seattle crowd respond and put a little payback on Russell Wilson for how loud it could be when he's done that for all the years <laughs> he was there. Ever, right? And so, What a fun game to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that was a good game. G- and and. Geno Smith, our quarterback, actually did really well. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't say the same for his second game, but that game he played really well. And uh, it was fun to get Russell back here. And he, what, how many? They had a number of uh, offsides penalties. Well, and he was just always holding his head like, and I, I thought he probably never realized how horrible it is. And I think about that, whoever has to go up there and play. So I know Seattle's a fabulous place, and I know. Uh, you guys are doing good things up there. So, Jamie, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for all your insight and candor. And, and again, if you have an aviation question, get in touch with Jamie Madonna at AHT. Yeah, appreciate it, Chip. Thanks. All right. We'll catch you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Know Your Risk and Insurance Coverage with Risk Pronet. For more information about Risk Pronet, please visit our website. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter for insurance insights. From everyone at Risk Pro Net, we want to say thank you for tuning in and see you next time.